many military veterans deserve more praise and gratitude than they have ever received. The late Sergeant John Scott Pinney is among them, and Veterans Day seems like an appropriate time to tell you his story. Welcome to this podcast of David Rodeback's blog at localcommentary.com. I'm David Rodeback. It's Thursday, November 11, 2010, and today's title is Veterans Day, Sergeant John Scott Pinney. Last year, for Veterans Day, I posted a tribute to Captain John F. Whitaker, U.S. Army retired. That essay led to an unexpected but welcome development, my involvement in a larger biographical project which is ongoing and is likely to be so for some time. Along the way, I learned more than I told before of Sergeant John Scott Pinney's story. He was killed in action on February 16, 1969, in the act of saving a wounded comrade. People who know about such things tell me that he deserved, and still deserves, a bronze star for valor or even a silver star for his actions that day. However, the circumstances of his death went unreported, even to his family, as far as I have been able to discover. This may have something to do with the company commander having been relieved of duty later that same day. I can imagine that messing up the paperwork. As part of that larger biographical project I mentioned, I've written Captain Whitaker's account of what happened. This may be the first of several steps in a lengthy process we hope will lead to a posthumous decoration for Sergeant Pinney. Whether or not that ever happens, at least you'll know the story. Here it is, as Captain Whitaker told it to me in multiple interviews in November 2009 and in April and May of 2010. Sergeant John Scott Penny, who was born May 7, 1942, was a squad leader in C Company, 12th Cavalry of the U.S. Army's 1st Cavalry Division. He was stationed in Tay Ninh Province, Vietnam, when I was OPCON to C Company briefly as a combat engineer. I met Sergeant Penny on my first day with C Company. He was smart and competent, but not flamboyant. He was fastidious in his personal conduct and in fulfilling his duties. He was almost always the first to volunteer for a patrol, and his patrols were successful. He got along with everyone and was universally respected in the unit. I talked with him a lot and went on patrols with him. I spent several weeks with C Company. Near the end of that period, on February 16, 1969, we went on yet another patrol in the jungle near Traku. Several hours into our patrol, we came under attack. We dug in. At one point, the platoon sergeant, a large man, left in the company of another soldier, a much smaller man who was relatively green, to visit the command post. As these two returned, they drew a lot of enemy fire. They took turns firing at the enemy and crawling back to our positions. The platoon sergeant was hit by enemy fire. I recall that he was hit near his collarbone. He called out that he was hit. He was perhaps 80 yards from our foxholes. The other soldier who had gone with him made his way safely back to our position. Sergeant Pinney was on lookout. He saw the platoon sergeant get hit and heard him call out. Pinney began to work his way under fire out to the platoon sergeant, who was slowly dragging himself toward our position. I yelled to him not to go, but he kept going. The platoon sergeant was soon hit again, receiving a flesh wound in the leg. Sergeant Pinney reached the platoon sergeant and began dragging him back to our position. He squatted as low as he could and still dragged the large man. He had one of his arms under each of the platoon sergeant's shoulders and was dragging him backwards, exposing himself to enemy fire in the process. The rest of us provided covering fire. The platoon sergeant was not mortally wounded. He was conscious but bleeding. He yelled to Penny repeatedly, Let me go! Let me go! As he was dragging the platoon sergeant to safety, Sergeant Penny was hit at least once each in the left side and the left leg. 
After this, he had to crawl, but he kept dragging the platoon sergeant toward safety, pausing now and then to return fire with his rifle. Finally, Penny was hit in or just below the heart and went down hard. At this point, he had managed to drag the platoon sergeant at least halfway back to our positions, but 30 or 40 yards remained. We and the sergeants were still drawing a lot of fire. I told the company commander that I was going to get them. He objected, but I left my foxhole and went anyway. The platoon kept up their fire, shooting just over our heads. I reached the platoon sergeant first. He told me to see to Sergeant Penny, who was hit worse. Penny was several feet away from the platoon sergeant at this point. I reached him quickly and saw that the platoon sergeant was right. Penny's wounds were more severe. I never saw so much blood in my life. I was able to drag Sergeant Penny back to our foxholes. I stopped a couple of times along the way to return the enemy's fire with my forty-five. Then I went to retrieve the platoon sergeant. The platoon was still providing covering fire, and I was able to drag the platoon sergeant to safety. I called for one of the guys to help, and he came out and helped for the last several yards. When I got back to Sergeant Penny, he was clearly dying. We tried to stop the bleeding, but with little effect. I yelled to the radio operator that we needed a medevac helicopter. He called for one, with the captain's permission. Within 25 or 30 minutes, choppers arrived to provide air support. They suppressed the enemy in the area so the medevac chopper could come in. I had received some minor wounds and was sent to the aid station to be patched up. When I returned, Sergeant Penny had already been flown out. I never saw him again. I knew that he would not survive. His last words to me were, I'm going to go home. I credit Sergeant Penny with saving the life of his platoon sergeant at the price of his own. This has been a podcast of David Rodeback's blog at localcommentary.com. It is copyrighted 2010, all rights reserved. Thanks for listening.